After a lifetime of researching the dynamic and enigmatic world of light entertainment, I've decided to ditch my notebook and meet the people who inspire me. What makes them the people they are? How do they feel about the show business landscape in which they find themselves? And in a world where anyone can be a star, is there still a need for performers who have universal appeal? Come with me on a journey of discovery as I get a unique insight into Britain's favourite stars with a little help from my glamorous assistants. Yeah, well, I say glamorous, more like hazardous. And of course, we'll have a bit of fun along the way. Notoriously, comedy is a very serious business. But it's also an extremely difficult one. The long nights playing to small audiences, endlessly scouring the parameters of your brain attempting to create new material, and avoiding dying of death in front of a room full of strangers is something that not many of us would undertake. Yet those who pass this gruelling test can look forward to a lifetime's career in comedy. One such performer attempting to break the British stand-up circuit is the up-and-coming Phil Reed who is currently touring the country with the Joke Comedy Club, organised by the comedian MC Miles Crawford. I was interested to learn a little about the life of a 21st century comic and his hopes for his future career. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Phil Reed. So Phil, firstly welcome to Beyond the Title Interviews. Firstly, one of, you, one of the striking things when researching your career is that you were a bingo caller. Tell us a little bit about that and how you think it enhanced your ability to engage with an audience. I joined the bingo when I was 18 because I was working in Sports Direct. Um, I was working in a sports shop. And when I started getting into comedy and fell into the love of comedy, and in my local town, a new bingo hall was opening. And I seen it as an opportunity purely because of learning like mic technique and having a microphone in hand and engaging with customers to some level of entertainment, even though it wasn't as far as it is like with the comedy now but to enhance it initially um with the bingo call and it has been a good move to be fair because it, it helped me on my way and you know there's a lot of people because it is a form of entertainment it can go back and forth and it is as it's a form of presenting it, that can also help you as well and guide you on further to whatever road you choose to go down so it has definitely it has definitely helped me and i was there for a couple of years and i still do it now to be fair, I, I go back to the to the club with me, with my old manager. They get me back sometimes as like a guest and stuff. So it's it's nice. So you won the prestigious Joker of the Year in 2014. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the Joker of the Year award. It was a competition. I didn't even know anything about it. To be fair, there was a friend of mine who was getting into comedy, and he seen the competition, and he asked me to like support him and go along and I entered it and as it would be I entered it and he pulled out because he couldn't do any of the dates that were given to him like the heats and he pulled out and then I went on I went on to win it but it is again it, it's just it is definitely helped me because now it's one of those things you can put on a poster um it I don't wouldn't I wouldn't say it's as big as the Perrier awards or is anything like that but it's still it's still within the county of Essex, and you can put put it on the poster as an award-winning comedian, uh, which is well, you know which always helps because if you're looking at comedians and you know you can put it on your website or anything if you think if you've won some form of of award, then it's always better than nothing. 
On stage, you thrive on persuading unsuspecting audience members to be involved in hilarious sketches and routines, which makes them into your stooges. To what extent is this a comic device which gets the rest of the crowd on your side? Um, yeah, I don't... It's it's good because when I've seen it done before, the way I like to do it, and I'm, I'm sure if, if you've seen it, because you've seen the two where I've done the ventriloquist mask and I've done the detective coat, it's it's more of a... I like to get people up to enhance the act and not to belittle them, if if that makes sense. So it's it's a case of like enhancing them, and no one knows. No one. It's not like I go up to someone beforehand and go, "Oh, I'm going to um, get you up on stage," because I've actually made that mistake in the past before when someone's come up to me like at a gig and said, "Oh, can you get so and so? Can you get my friend up? Can you get my boyfriend up?" And it's like, "Yeah, okay," and you do it. And every time I've done it, I've only done it three times because I work on a rule of three. But the three times that I've been asked to do it, they've always um, not been successful and not been funny. So in in regards to getting the Stooges, they, they're not like I've spoke to them beforehand, but it, it definitely does enhance it. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a nice, I like to come at it with the approach of making it more fun than belittling like i've said you know so then you know if, like if you do the mask and you do stacy lacy then you know it's like banter ribbons and not you know like i said so you're not not like belittling where you're making that audience member feel like shamed or anything like it because that i don't think that helps it it doesn't help you know anything of the night it doesn't help you know and for myself as i say you know wanting to be a likable cheeky chap you know, it's not the route I'd ever go down. So, but I am working on more sketches to try and get you know people involved from audience members because I think it's fun. I think if it's you know if it's as as soon as you get an audience member up onto the stage or as soon as you speak to the audience member, it kind of breaks that wall down from stage and audience and it brings everyone on a, on a level keel and it's all relatable then, which means everyone, not just myself, but hopefully everyone will have a better night. So how much do you have to customise your routine to different types of audiences? I'm guessing that stage comedy's evolved quite a bit since the days of performers touring the country with only one routine. Yeah, you you do massively have to adapt it. Like uh, I do I do a massive range, so I do holiday parks, um, which that's got to be not so much squeaky clean, but like there's you've got to be funny, but with no swearing, and it's it's more I'll say innuendo, but again. It, it's one of those it's it's more implied than it is said whereas over 18s you're a bit more you've got a bit more free reign and you can drop an f-bomb and you can say what you like pretty much on when you're doing over 18s so in order to adapt it it i would say i, I would say i've got quite a wide range because it and it's nice to have that as well because instead of going down like the one road i can then you know if someone sees me doing like a holiday park and they find me funny and then they might want to come and see me do an over 18 or vice versa you know so it's 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 definitely the olden days where you'd have the one routine i think i think has gone i think i think it needs to go um but then also as well i think comedy needs to kind of be revamped a little bit because with tv now and with the likes of britain's got talent and x factor and everything i think variety not so much with britain's got talent because that does bring variety into it but with everything else i think variety's getting lost a little bit whereas in the olden days you know you'd have like your keith harris you'd have your roy walkers you'd have the comedians you'd have a lot more variety on tv whereas like now it's 
it's a lot more you know singing to be more more singing than it is variety and um, but yeah no so to have like the more variety it, it is definitely worth adapting yourself to all different types of stages just again for your personal appearance and to get yourself out there to network so miles crawford and the joke comedy club has been pivotal in your career so far how's that sort of worked and how's it been for you yeah miles crawford and joke club has been very pivotal to me because miles crawford i've had um two managements uh miles crawford and joke club being one and then the other one when i won that joke when i won joker of the year there was another management that I was signed with but it was weird because it, it the, I've seen the difference between a hands-on and a hands-off manager. So Miles Crawford, he's been in the business for 30 years, probably 30-something years. He know He's been around, he's done TV, he's done TV warm-up, he's done comedy, he's done pretty much you name it, he's he's done it. So for me, Miles Crawford is a massive person to look up to and to learn off and to soak up any knowledge he's got. So he's been he's been very 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 pivotal to to me and my career and even now like going going forward it's you know like depending on because he, he he comes in and he's he's instilled like the ground rules of how to be and how to present yourself and you know and then get you know get yourself out there and and everything he says I I, I listen I listen intently and I listen and it's just incredible at what he says because as I say I mean I've got a couple of years in the business. And to have someone with 30 years, you know, take me under his wing and give me his advice, it's, you can't turn your nose up at that at all. So it's, it's been incredible. So are there any big gigs like Live at the Apollo or anything like that calling? And what's the process for comics to have that sort of progression these days? Because a while ago we had the pleasure to interview Jimmy Tarbuck and he told us that historically there were people in each region of the country who went round to theatres scouting for new talent. And has it changed to how it is today? Um, I don't. Probably, possibly, yeah, yes, and no. But I think, like anything, it's all about hard work. That's the bottom line. Uh, it's all about hard work and getting you, getting yourself out there and getting yourself known to as many people as possible. But then, ultimately, like anything else, it's not what you know; it's who you know. Like there's a, a lot of comedians that are on the circuit. That when you'd watch them, you think, well, you know, they should be on, they should have had a live at the Apollo or they should have been on, you know, TV and they're not on TV. And then, you know, you've got comedians that are on TV that, you know, aren't really favoured, not just by myself, but by other, like other members of the public. And it's one of those, I think, at the time, if your face fits and it's what you're looking for. But then again, like I just said, it all initially needs to be hard work and, how much how much time and effort you put into it so i'd love to, I'd, I'd love to get on live at the apollo but at the minute it's just taking it all step by step i was fortunate enough last year to do a dvd warm-up at the apollo now it wasn't comedy it was just more crowd work and you know getting the crowd all geared up because they were filming a live dvd um that was incredible for me more so on every level the fact that i was stood in front of three and a half thousand people at the hammersmith apollo um but then it, all that has done is just spurred me on to have my name above the door and have three and a half thousand people come in, hopefully buying a ticket to see me. So, you know, you never know. One day, hopefully, fingers crossed. But at the, at the minute, it's it's about keeping my head down, 
working, getting myself out there, networking, and you never know, one day something might come knocking. In the last 10 years, stand-up comedy's gone through a bit of a renaissance with comedy superstars like Michael McIntyre and Eddie Izzard playing huge stadiums like the O2 and Wembley Arena. To what extent is this music to the ears of performers of your generation to know that there is still a strong appetite for live comedy? And is this something that you have the desire to emulate in the coming years? Yeah, it's, it is sensational. And I remember, the, well, I think one of the first comedians to play uh, an arena was Lee Evans in 2001 when he did his Weird and Wonderful tour. And he filmed his DVD at Wembley. Because I went to see that tour at the Lowry in Salford and that was obviously in the theatre, a really nice intimate theatre, and then watching it live in a theatre and then watching it on DVD in front of Arena, and now we can sell it on Arena. So it is good if you've got the fan base, if you've got the fan base to do an Arena show, I think I think it is well worth doing it. Um, I don't think all comedians have got that ability to play an Arena. Like I don't, I don't personally think at this minute in time that, I could see myself doing an arena. I mean, if I ever made it to to that level, I really like playing the theatres and playing the intimate gigs and something that you can, you know, play off the crowd more. And in, in, in a theatre, it's a lot more intimate. If someone shouts something, then you know where they're sat, you know, you know, you can see them roughly of where they are and it's a lot nicer. Whereas in an arena, if you're sat right at the back, you know, and it's and it's kind of, it kind of gets lost. I know when I've been to see comedians in an arena, it's nice to be there and it's nice to see thousands of people enjoying it. But for me, it kind of gets lost because then you start watching the screen and it kind of takes away that ability to actually watch the live performance, if that makes sense. But no, I think it, it is it is good and it has been revamped. And But as I say, I, I think there's only a handful of comedians that can actually successfully play an arena. Like Lee Evans is one of them because he's very manic, he's very animated. Peter Kay, he's got a huge fan base. Michael McIntyre as well. Again, he's got a huge fan base and he's very animated as well. But you know, as I say, it's um it's good, but I can't see it being something that I would possibly do in the future. But you never know. Being on the circuit, I imagine you've found yourself sharing the stage with some of your comedy idols. Have any of them made you starstruck? And it's a bit of a cliche question, but who are your comedy heroes? Uh, yeah, I've had I've had the privilege to work with quite 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 a number um, of comedians that I'd class as and as heroes. Like one of the first, probably my first one, it was in two thousand and fourteen. Miles Crawford asked me to support or yeah to support Tim Vine. Now for me that was huge, um, and I was like blown away by it. Comedy heroes um, is definitely. Lee Evans is the reason why I do stand-up comedy and I, I met him once at a book signing. I've never actually got a chance to work with him but um, comedians that I have got to work with TV-wise and been starstruck. The, the one, probably my first one, was Tim Vine when I got asked to support Tim Vine uh, by Miles Crawford and Joke Club. That was back in 2014 and for me, I jumped at the opportunity it was, I mean, I didn't even discuss a fee or anything. It was just, yep, yeah, straight away. And for me, it was just to have that for me, for the experience for me. And is such, I, and I genuinely was starstruck. I walked into the green room where he was and I walked, walked over. I got introduced to him and he stood up. And for me, it was just like, you know, you're Tim Vine, you know, you don't need to stand up. And it's, but that just goes to show the, the nice humble nature and the humble side of him. 
And yeah, so for me, I was genuinely starstruck and then watching him work on stage just blew me away. And I've had the privilege again to work with others like Bobby Davro, which you guys have seen, um, Lee Nelson, that was a good one. And then there's a few like Joel Domit, um, Nathan Caton. So there's been, there's been quite a few when I, when I look back and it's been, been really nice and it has been a massive privilege and an honor. So hopefully may it continue and who knows, maybe one day someone could be saying the same about me, hopefully. Fingers crossed. So what's next for Phil Reed? Maybe some big TV warm-ups, something of that nature? Yeah, next for Phil Reed. What is next for Phil? I don't know. I just think it, again, just I think getting myself out there. Like I've got my website up and running now, which is www.philreedcomedy.com. Uh, that's up and running. And it's just a case of spreading myself out now and getting myself in with different bookers, different promoters, different work ethics. Like this week, um, I'm gigging all week in the evening, but then tomorrow I'm filming a, a sports pilot, like an, um, a sports panel game show. Any Anything that comes along, really. I wouldn't say I've got anything, this is what I want to do next, but just keep continuing to work and grow and ultimately be seen and, you know, so yeah, just to work, continue, grow, and see where it goes. Hopefully, like you know, as I say, it it could be it could end up with a live at the Apollo. But if it doesn't, then the main thing is is that I'm enjoying every single day, every single gig that I do. Okay, well that's fantastic. Thanks very much, and the best of luck to you. Thanks very much. A big thank you to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you like this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates of forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time for another Beyond the Title interview.